Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, <laughs> Dear America, Please Explain. I'm Valentina and my co-host. Hello, I'm Lorenzo. <laughs> um, we're just two well, well, uni well. students uh, with nothing to do, yeah. a pandemic to fill. Yeah, and well, a weird we, we, would, we do have stuff to do. We really should have stuff to do, to be fair true um, like i mean we we need to get our our future sorted out and <laughs> you were recording this i don't know about you but this has been the worst week of 2021 thus far for me which is great i'm, ha- I'm so happy oh wow how so <laughs> um well i got rejected for my master's which is super fun so, i i got rejected for my master's too not this year last year um okay so i do, yeah. I do know your pain i was really really yeah. sad about it yeah, no, it's great. And also, we're recording this on St. Valentine's Day, which, you know, I mean, Valentina is in a relationship, to be fair, so she has no I right am, to complain. Yeah. But I am, you know, chronically single, and just dating isn't fun at all. No. Um, especially, you know, in the gay world, it's just even worse. So it's just kind of like, you know, where am I right now? I have nothing going for me. But you know what? We move. We move. Lolo, you have this podcast going for you. That's true. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to demean you already from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we do have this podcast but how have you been you know I, I like to complain a lot but um uh, no truly I'm kind of the same in the sense that like I'm in, I've been trying to fill my days because I've just yeah. gotten news like semi bad news I think that um for the rest of the semester I will be having virtual lessons oh that's so fun I don't think I'll be going back to the UK anytime soon wow so I've been trying to like give my life here some sort of sense because yeah. I am going crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. And it feels like you fun. regress, no? It In does feel like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only thing that kind of, you know, comforts me is that to everyone who I talk to, like, this is just a common feeling. So it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just about riding this time out. Um, Absolutely. And trying to procrastinate it but by looking at how weird America is under certain circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And this is fun, you know, it's a little open forum and I'm glad we have this and I'm glad you um you had yeah. this idea. And also Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's dive in. First we have a little um a little like warning, what's it called? Like little forward, you know. Okay about yeah. like like it's yeah about this podcast it's not really meant to be trashing america you know i no. mean not that it i mean kind of deserves it but at the same time it's like you know we don't come from a perfect country ourselves so no we're both we're two europeans coming yeah. to terms with how shit europe is and can be so we're definitely not trying to like talk down on america i think Absolutely. the at least for me the purpose of this podcast was just to like put into words how weirdly I feel about some stuff in America. Yeah, just our, our general sense of being frazzled by yeah, the American like really ethos. Just, like, just baffled. I was like, oh, why? Yeah, 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 pretty <laughs> much. The prevailing, the prevailing emotion that I've had this week during, like, when I um, have been researching this episode was like, but why? So, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, it's just, it's, it's a weird, weird, twisted country. But, hey, it gives us stuff to talk about and. What, what, what are we looking at today? Tell us. Yeah, so I wanted to start off this series with something that we could kind of relate to because both of us are mm-hmm. in university right now in the UK. And so mm-hmm. I thought we could talk a bit about how sports are viewed uh, yeah. within UK universities. So I've always kind of mm-hmm. been fascinated by America's obsession with college sport, mainly because it's so far removed from like my lived experiences because I don't do any sports. Um, yeah, American universities are really qu- quite obsessed with sports and college athletes that I've yeah. really, I'm just fascinated. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, really it's a whole business. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. It genuinely is just like a really big industry. And this just yeah. isn't the case in the Europe. I don't know. Okay. No. So I'm just going to list a few sources that I used um, for this episode. Um, just the ones that guided my research and that you could check out if you'd like to know more. So first and foremost, mm-hmm. a special thank to Professor Gerald Jens, who teaches sport history at North College Central uh, for the, his contributions to this episode, um, which are very truly appreciated. 
Um, I'm also basing a lot of info off of the history of football episode from the Distorted History podcast. And finally, I'd like to point out the Landon T. Huffman and Coyote G. Cooper article, I'm taking my talents to dot 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 on the impact of socioeconomic status on choices on a student athlete. It's a very technical paper, but if you like that stuff, recommend it. Valentina has done her research. I, I have know. not. So yeah. So I mean, no. Wait, wait. Before people, <laughs> before people start slagging me off in the comments saying that you're so lazy, like you're I not doing any work. I, I love how I'm speaking as if people will listen to this. But hey, you no, know no. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. Exactly. Screw it. Anyways, the whole idea was like that. One of us each episode does a lot of research, you know, and the other one yeah. kind of acts as the people, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I will be representing the people. I, I famously am a socialist, so I will be representing the people. The people. <laughs> exactly. Okay, comrade, let's go. I have a question for you. Do you I'm play ready, any yeah. sports? And how would you describe the atmosphere and culture surrounding sports in the UK, like in UK universities? What's your experience? Yeah. Yeah, well, besides mental gymnastics, no, I'm kidding. God, that's a trash <laughs> joke. Anyways, um, <laughs> no, I, um, I don't play any sports. Thank you, thank you. Um, I don't play any sports, but I do have friends who play sports, and I have yeah, watched. I have watched a couple of matches, so I feel like it's kind oh. of the same thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, I like to observe, but um, <laughs> the, the sport culture in the UK is just honestly, it's not even centered about sports. It's centered uh, around um, drinking, essentially. Yeah. And I'm not saying it to be. Funny. I'm not saying you to make a joke, but genuinely, that's all it is. Um, I think around the whole UK, there's a system put into place where you don't have any classes on Wednesday afternoon. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Because that's the night where there was social sport event at like the yeah. local university club. So for yeah. us, it was Loop Bar, RIP, we miss you, Loop. But um, it was essentially just a whole chunk of the week for everyone, regardless if you do sports or not, like carved out. So that there was time made for sport and sport, yeah. sporting events, which, yeah, which per se, I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, I guess um, it promotes kind of sport and teamwork and whatever, but it's also was basically, and everyone knew this, it was just for yeah. drinking. And, um, and that kind of trails off into lots of toxic kind of cultures of sport, which I don't know if you want me to go into that detail, but I can tell kind of for UCL at least, that's where I go to uni, but yeah no fair enough i think the main difference like if i really had to summarize what i think could be the main difference between um eu slash uk sports culture in colleges versus the american one is that in the uk you have um students who like to play sports whereas in the us you have student athletes that are athletes who also take classes. Yeah. The two things are yeah. kind of inverted, at least for, you know, like I'm talking about very like high level sports no, yeah. athletes. Like You're I'm right, sure there's, I'm the, sure this... there's like, yeah, I'm sure there's like, you know, your average Joe playing tennis because mm-hmm. he just likes it, but he's more into his accounting classes and tennis. I'm sure he's somewhere out there. Hi, Joe. No, but, of course. It's interesting though, because in the UK, your sporting persona never really overtakes your student persona it's always no. first the academics then the sport yeah. after well yeah. in the u.s it's kind of like a lot of these people the re- it's actually a condition right I, I believe like to gain access to university you have to be part of the team and you have to keep on performing if you want yeah. to keep your scholarship if you want yeah. to stay in that university so it's generally like a contingency which is crazy crazy to me yeah. but yeah yeah it's yeah it's a condition for like um athletic scholarships from the NAA. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yeah, Yeah. so I think um, this is very specific to like collegiate sports, but more in general, I think in the EU, we have a very different culture surrounding sports. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. for example, there's only one sport that is really like adored by like everyone in Europe. And that's football, like actual football, like soccer football. Um, And like, there is no sport that even comes like near in terms of like fans and TV. For sure. Like um, ratings. There's nothing that comes. Sponsorships. Exactly. The amount of money that is in football, like no other sports come near. In the US, it feels like American football, basketball and baseball are like roughly on the same level like yeah they're probably not if you're looking to like 
how much money sponsorships raise for the football or, or the baseball tournaments are completely different. But mm-hmm. we do not have a European equivalent for the NBA or the MLB, which are the um, basketball and the um, mm-hmm. baseball leagues. No, like, the business is a lot more organized in the US the for o- every sport. Yeah. And like the, the only leagues we have here in Europe are football-based. Trying to get back to original question. So why right. are US colleges and universities so obsessed with sports? So I actually gave Lorenzo some kind of homework to do. Yeah. Do you want to talk about a bit about how that was? <laughs> Yeah, so my task was to watch Last Chance You, it's called, on Netflix. And it, from what I understood from the first episode, it really kind of revolves around this college called Laney College, where, um, I mean, it offers educational classes in like English and normal kind of academic courses, but it's the main kind of activity, I guess. It's, it's football team, which it, you know, it plays in a, in a kind of tournament of colleges and many use this football team from Lady College as kind of their springboard into greater football fame, like the NFL, for example, and stuff like that, which was, yeah, and it's interesting how institutionalized the sporting system was yeah. and how much, the, basically the university's main export is football as opposed to its classes. It's almost yeah, like, it's, it was like a sporting academy as opposed to a college. Yeah, it was, I also kind of noticed though how it was mainly um, like ethnic minorities and students from disadvantaged economic backgrounds who kind of um, participated in this program, which yeah. also kind of shows you, I guess, because I think it's easy to say, oh, like, whatever, they're doing this football thing just for profit, because it, it is a profit thing. It, it does bring fame and prestige to the universities and sponsorships and stuff like that. But it's, I think it's really important to notice and to emphasize that for many disadvantaged students from lower income communities, which unfortunately in America tend to be non-white, like sport is usually the only way I kind of gain access to higher education. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a very complex topic and like everything, when you try and dig deeper into understanding like, what are the causes of this phenomenon? Like, why are things the way they are? Like the responses you come up with are just complex. Like they're, yeah. they're difficult. Um, yeah. And I think um, if you had to summarize like the message, what they were trying to like come across with this um, docu-series, what do you think mm. it would be? I think it was just this kind of peddling of the American dream notion, which I'm not saying yeah. it's bad per se, but to me, to me, you should be able to gain access to education regardless. Like you shouldn't be put in a position where you can't afford something, then you have to have a talent or you have to work twice as hard together. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it oh, was yeah. odd to me how, I mean, for how, for how positive this kind of program was for the students, because of course it, it gave them opportunities. I haven't seen the whole docu-series, but it still gave them hope and opportunity to kind of de-entrench themselves from the position of hardships they were in but it's also like why do they have to be good football players why do they have to be commodified and have like an actual numerical value to them to be worthy of an education and it's something america does so well in my kind of opinion it kind of it offers you a story that's like heartwarming like with a layer of like you know being wholesome and a layer of being emotional but like behind it is just like this unjust system that just should not be in like you have you ever seen like those viral tweets which are like child like oh has, yeah like, yeah his yeah own, yeah he's like his own lemonade stand to pay for yeah. his mother's cancer treatment bill it's like what like no that yeah. was kind of the same vibe i got from this doctor yeah. series i guess like not Absolutely. trying to be dramatic or like, false equivalencies but that's no like- i think you hit the nail on the on the head i mean i uh, i was doing some research air quotes mm-hmm. on netflix for this and this is how i <laughs> I got to last chance you, but literally like I typed, Oh, um, college sports on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not like four, five, six movies came up and I assure you, I didn't actually watch them, but I can assure you right now that the message that they all convey is poor kid from like a lower socioeconomic background, uh, gives it his all at his chosen sport and makes it big. Like, literally, it's the only story arc these types of movies have. The end of it all, what it really is saying is, oh, look, the underdog did make it. So there's nothing really wrong with the system because in the end... Exactly, and it's like, if 
Exactly. And if you don't yeah. make it, it's on you. The onus is on you. On you you. could have, yeah, exactly. You Definitely. could have been a great athlete if you tried hard enough. You could have done this. And it's like, I mean, where yeah. are we getting at in America? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I think we're going to get at this exact point every single yeah. episode. So yeah. Yeah. we're going to try and keep some of this um, yeah. for our later episodes or we're going to run out of um, material in the first one. <laughs> okay. So I want to know. But I guess, can I just say, say something, I guess? Like, yeah, of course. There is so many negative sides to it. But at the same time, again, like in Europe, I don't think we have that kind of, we don't have these opportunities, I guess, to begin with that do give lower income students like opportunity to like, I guess, through sports. But again, if you think about it in Europe, higher education, maybe not in the UK, but in general in continental Europe is, is kind of affordable to all. So that's why we don't have it because we don't need it, I guess. Yeah, which can be a bad thing if your talent mm-hmm. truly is sports which is a good thing sorry by the way we're not trying to like um bash anyone whose like dream is to you know become a collegiate athlete that's beautiful like i would never do that but if that's your dream like please i want to ask you do you have any hypotheses if you could like you know two or three hypotheses if you have why do you think u.s colleges are so obsessed with sports go money I mean, that's not, I mean, I think it generally just is a a profit thing Um, because a profit, I guess, and prestige, they both come hand in hand, profit and prestige, you know, Um, for universities, obviously, if they do well in tournament, it boasts their their name, it attracts more sponsorships, I'm assuming, it just, and there's just more money. Um, That's kind of my vague idea, but. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. I think uh, you got part of it correct, but I okay. think that that's the like the lazy answer to this question. It's more complicated than that, I think. So the very short answer that I can give you as to why it's mm-hmm. not only about that, it is because surprisingly, it's always been this way. The history of student athletes is very parallel to that of football itself. And in this case, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about American football. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to retrace that because it's going to be useful for us. So Mm -hmm. football in America was developed in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, which means late 1800s, early 1900s. And it started out as a rich Ivy League school sport. So football started being popularized by Ivy League colleges. So that's where it pretty much comes from. So it Um, comes from a place of privilege. Oh, yeah. All sports do. All sports do because to play sports, you need to have time to do it. And you need to have energy to do it. To do something that isn't quote-unquote productive. So, yeah. Mm. But as it grew more popular, it did spread to more schools and to all over the country. And it started garnering support from the public who would attend games. And, you know, by the, uh, by, by the early 1900s, you had tens of thousands of people coming to stadiums. Uh, I'm using stadiums very liberally to watch <laughs> these football games. So it, it garnered like a lot of public support. Mm-hmm. However... Uh, The game was very dangerous because it was played with, like, really weird rules and you could just, like, headbutt each other and they would have any protections. And so you'd have, like, a couple deaths per year. And they would be... Yeah, it's it's funny. It's concussion central, I guess. (laughs) Oh, truly, because they wouldn't have helmets and they could, like, just barge into each other. God, Um, so dumb. And so at at a certain point, like, it became important to change the rules and so 62 (laughs) schools met in new york to come up with better rules and essentially the national collegiate athletes association the ncaa which is the same association that gives out uh, student athlete what they call scholarships Mm -hmm. today was founded oh okay so uh, the ncaa is really really old yeah so the concept of scholarships, is that old? No. Uh, at that point in New York City, in like the mm-hmm. 1800s, 
that association was called something else. It was the Intercollegiate Athletic Association, and it was literally okay. just assembled to change the rules of college football because it was okay. too dangerous. But then with the years, it became the NCAA. Can you imagine if like universal healthcare was created because of football, like a direct consequence of how deadly football was? That, well, that not, would be still don't great. Have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so as the sport became more and more popular, it started to become more and more important to win, obviously, because you want yeah. college to be the best. And so the best yeah. players were enticed by schools to come and play for them by inventing like fake jobs for them. So it'd be like, oh, come play football for us we'll give you 10 bucks which would be like a lot back then i don't know how much it would, yeah. be. It would be a lot to clean these fake pots mm. but really those 10 pounds 10 dollars would be to play football right got it got it and why then, they have to lie why couldn't they just say we'll hire you because well because of the same reasons they don't pay student athletes today it's because they're athletes they're students they're not mm. professionals. As soon okay. as you pay someone, they become a professional. Ah, okay, that makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you have the first game in which a player was paid specifically for playing football was in 1892. And the guy was paid the equivalent of like $12,000 $12, today. That was For one game? I think for the season. Okay, but still. But a lot. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. So since the NFL was created later, college athletes started to be funneled in pro careers as a result of their college football careers. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mechanism was essentially you yeah. go into college playing yeah. football and right. then you get recruited by the NFL. Mm -hmm. So and the cogs know. just kept on turning since then. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. like this is something I was really like surprised by. This is a really old mechanism. Like sports has been mm -hmm. important to American colleges since quite literally forever. Mm -hmm. It's no, it's just, it's just so interesting because I think we have a very narrow view of history. Like history for us is yeah. 50 years. Yeah, so true. And anything beyond 50 years is like too old. Like, yeah. too old that we cannot be similar to them. Yeah. Because I, I feel like all the, all the thinking or the mentality behind the implementation of the system isn't too far from what, I guess, a lot of our no. modern institutions work. You know, it's just like, if someone is good at something, why wouldn't you want to pull them in and kind of absorb them into your own organism and just for, for your yeah. own personal gain, I guess, which makes complete sense. I just thought that, like... I guess I have this reductive view just because it's so easy, especially with America, to just be like, because America, because capitalism. Um, yeah. I guess I felt prey to that. I felt prey to that often, but it but is think, part of the story, but it's not the whole story. No, exactly. And I think that's, it, it was perfect for you to have this reaction because I think um, that our audience listening to this would have had the same response as you did back then when I asked you, like, why? At the end of the day, though, it was because of, prestige and money though no oh, oh we're, we're we're don't worry this is like the first of like five <laughs> bullet points i have oh okay <laughs> so yeah i think no the first thing that i wanted to contextualize was yeah. like how old this practice is practice is yeah. and then the next question we have to ask ourselves is okay this is very old but like why did it become important back then and i think here we start to get into like sociological territory um which is kind of maybe like kind of my favorite okay. part of the show of the episode educate me educate me um okay. essentially like we have to ask ourselves like why is why are sports so important um in today's culture you know why do they hold the meaning mm. that they do and sociologist pierre bordio bordeaux i don't know <laughs> essentially says that sport exists within the confines and rules of society uh, and it becomes part of what we used to determine, shape, and better ourselves in the eyes of society. So this means that mm. it is part of and has been shaped by the exact same structural forces that have shaped everything else. So sports is par part of society. Uh, and this means that the same forces that have shaped society to be what it is have also shaped sports. So essentially... Mm. <laughs> colonization sexism mm -hmm. racism classism yeah. 
It's so interesting. You know what it makes you think of? It makes you think of um, fascist Italy. You know, when Mussolini was like obsessed with like sport and yep. making kind of his whole program of like um, calcio balilla, which is like, you know, the, or the whole kind of the sport camp. What was it the sport camp, the soccer camps, the like the heavy kind of investment in sports for males, not for girls, obviously, because oh, no. he was a fascist. And um, because can he, yeah. like, it was kind of the, 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 the concept of, sport will lead to a stronger society kind of uh, this idea of back to grandiose kind of roman empire roots i guess and sport yeah. was the vehicle through which accomplishing that mission of creating a society that was optimal under every sense i guess Absol which is interesting absolutely yeah and we have to realize that the body is maybe like the first thing mm -hmm. that you present to society with and yeah so everything, so everything that connects back to the body has a very important place within society but mm -hmm. also within ourselves and how we relate to one another and mm -hmm. it is so obvious with sports you know um yeah. sports are a way to show off and, inc and increase your cultural capital and therefore yeah. you know climb the social hierarchy like you know for men this is expressed through tests of like endurance and strength yeah yeah and for women, I would say that they're more about flexibility. You know, how flexible are you and how nimble are you? How, like, fast can you be? Um, God, it's so interesting that kind of they're both, like, male sports and female sports are both microcosms of what society wants us to be, I guess. What we're taught to yeah. value in our own gender, which is yeah. insane. Also, can we talk, like, the Super Bowl, is it, like, the most kind of violent kind of expression of capital like i'm not i don't mean to be like annoying but like if you think about it it's just these sweaty men like banging against each other like you know the military industrial complex little metaphor and then kind of the whole thing about the super bowl is like the super bowl ads in between which is like okay intermittent kind of like capitalist flashes of you know what i mean it's insane like it's so true sport is a microcosm it's i'm sorry i'm like i'm realizing this now like i'm, I'm not even no like, this is important <laughs> if i if i were a therapist i would say this a breakthrough for you <laughs> it's a breakthrough am we're i just going gonna become like together. oh my god vale am i just like waking up tomorrow becoming a straight football player like this is kind of like <laughs> if i turn you into that fuck like i'm just gonna throw yeah. myself out of the window it, it's on you it's on you oh my goodness that's a big burden to her to shoulder <laughs> this understanding of sports isn't solely american i think we in europe we have a very similar ish um conception yeah. of sport it's it's fascinating how we impose on sports of the quite patriarchal in this in this specific example but in the patriarchal it's an ideal we aspire to i guess ideal that, yeah 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 because yeah. nobody's gonna look at an athlete and say oh look how they look gross like you know what i mean yep <laughs> Agreed. but it's also very double standard again like you never kind of criticize men athletes for how they look but women yeah. athletes on the other hand you know like gymnastics like can't so be many... too muscly exactly exactly but no you, you can't be too muscly because if you're like muscles are only for men exactly because it doesn't cater to the female ideal yeah absolutely but you know this is a very i would say ethnic um, Eurocentric understanding of sports because you know before colonization in the Americas sport has a completely different meanings in the lives of the Native yeah. Amer Americans who practice athletics um, because sports for them had spiritual contacts and they were ceremonies mm. and uh, physical endurance tests uh, but not as proof of how like long you could run or how strong you were they were more as practice for skills that had to be applied during their everyday life mm -hmm. um, and then had these ceremonious, um, they were ceremonies essentially. Fun fact, I did ask you this before, what sports do you think were, was invented and played by the indigenous peoples of the Americas that is still played today? Can I have a clue or like no clue? No clue, just give me. I don't know, basketball? No, it's lacrosse. Lacrosse? Yeah, yeah, it's lacrosse. So in the current American conceptualization of sports, it does have the same social function as your education does. It's like a social mobility elevator. Mm -hmm. yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, if you, make, like, if you make it, provided that you're in the lucky few that make it, it has a very, very similar 
um, function within society mm-hmm. and social mobility. So in this way, I guess it kind of makes sense that the two are paired together. Mm-hmm. Which I would add also explains why, as I said before, most, sp- most films on college sports are about redemption arcs from lo- mm-hmm. lowly socioeconomic um, and sometimes even like quasi-criminal backgrounds because their message is you'll be welcomed up higher in society if you do very well in sports, which is the same as you will save yourself and be accepted higher up in society if you do very well in like econ class. Yeah. At the end of the which day, isn't just the same. It's not the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not the same thing, but it, like yeah. the message, like the social elevator kind of works the same way. And I think it, that's also yeah. why it makes sense to have the two paired together. And, mm-hmm. you know, movies are not made in a vacuum, which, you know, means yeah. that sports in America are really truly understood as something that can give you a better future. That yeah. a lot which of people, they are, they are like, yeah, like truly a lot of people dream of getting a full scholarship at a top universities for playing uh, football or basketball or mm-hmm. doing really good in the like a hundred meters sprint. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this isn't to take away from no one's dream. Like it, it is still important. <laughs> yeah this is something that and it doesn't invalidate someone's effort you know no someone, absolutely it's just they work they, they, I, I also guess the notion that like people are just like born talented at the sport which might be the case but it's also like there's so much work that goes in these people wake so up early work. before school to do sport after school they do sport absolutely. it's like weekends like, they do yeah no the amount of work that they put in is actually insane like yeah. They don't have enough, truly, they don't have enough hours in the day to be doing what they are doing and what they're expected to do. So, Which is why, yeah, the, the sport kind of takes the place of the education because you can't just be uh, this kind of, or you can if you're a cyborg, I assume, but you can't just be this top student and also spend your whole entire day doing sport. It's just, I guess in America it's more normalized, but if I were to, like, I would have never been able to, never. Oh, no, 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 I don't, no, me neither, Uh, absolutely. You know, for those who do get partial or full funding, this was probably their only way of getting a tertiary education at, like, top U.S. school, because you need to understand that, like, mean tuition fee for private colleges are around $3,600 per year. 3600 or 1000 1000 sorry. Okay. I was like, wait, is that cheap in the US? <laughs> no, no, no. 36330 yeah. left. That's only that's only tuition though, right? Without um... Yeah, only tuition for one year. Yeah. Um and top top institutions they pretty much double, so it's 60,000 per year. And yeah. you know, this is you have to times this by 4 cuz I think and Can we just wait? Let, let me just Google real quick the average salary in the US. Go. Um, so average GDP per capita, per capita USA, it's, it is $65,000 average, which that would basically mean that all the entire earnings would go to just university. And also the average the GDP per capita isn't exactly um, like... No, it's not a perfect measure. Exactly. Reflective because yeah. the wealth distribution is completely like, skewed. So skewed. for most people, it's just, it's, it's impossible to pay that much no. a year. No, and this is why like it becomes so important for you. Like if you are good enough to get yeah. a scholarship for athletics to absolutely go for it, it becomes yeah. like absolutely crucial for your education because also importantly, in the US, having a college education is also like a prerequisite for a better job. Exactly, exactly. If you don't have a college degree in the US, it's not impossible to make like above a certain number of dollars per year, mm-hmm. but it becomes a lot harder, like mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. harder. And especially when you're pressured to get a well-paying job because you have you know loans to pay off and all those things that come with the yeah tertiary education experience and you know this means that for good athletes the stakes are really really high 
because again, like finishing your degree will significantly increase your employment outcomes. However, there's a however, and it's a quite, quite sad however, only one to 2% of undergrads are on a sports scholarship. So oh. athletic scholarships are quite rare, mm-hmm. especially full rides, because you can get mm. partial rides, which means that you yeah. can like halve or nearly halve, halve um, your tuition fees. But that's still quite a lot, like halve 60,000, that's still 30. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so much money. Yeah, exactly. So much money. And also, not all students um, who want to go to college want to stop there. I think a lot of top athletes want to get drafted into Mm -hmm. pro careers. But Mm -hmm. again, those chances are even slimmer because, for example, Mm -hmm. less than 2% of football and basketball athletes will get drafted in important teams. Mm-hmm. So only 2% of undergrads get a athletic scholarship. And of that percentage, only 2% will actually get drafted into like the NFL oh or okay. the NBA. So it's like so, 0.00. I don't know. But like yeah. <laughs> one in a million chance. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the numbers yeah. are very, very slim. Yeah. But, you know, like you've already won if you made it for a full ride. No, absolutely. Yeah. And also the, um, I guess it's still like, um, like intercollegiate championships are still regarded very highly in the US. Like they don't have to be necessarily like NBA championships, but like, no. Also, I don't know if this is like related. It kind of is, but like I was, so the other day I was doom scrolling on Twitter as you do. As one does. um, (laughs) As one does. And um, I come across this video of this kind of viral gymnastics competition because this girl does like a gymnastics, you know, um, how do you say in like corpo libero in English? Oh, like a floor routine. Floor routine. Yeah, that one. Cause, and it went viral because she did it to like a hip hop song. It was really cool. But yeah, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I saw like closely and people were wearing masks behind. So I was like, okay, this was during COVID times. And then I was like, wait a second. And the university was at UCLA. So in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, Los Angeles right now has literally like 99 hospital bed capacity in the hospitals for ICU for coronavirus cases. Why on earth are they still <laughs> doing these championships? Yeah. It's just, it's some like you know they're that ingrained that no matter what happens they they will continue to kind of push it and do just do they i guess they're held in such high regard or such an important you know stool in society that no matter what happens they will always be considered more important over other stuff i think yeah i think you know this goes into like partially into like the philosophy and the mechanics behind the U.S. coronavirus response, which those are probably like a mess to understand and like hyper complex by themselves. But yeah, Mm -hmm. no, you're correct. It's very interesting to see that in some kind of ways, these collegiate sports, um, gymnastics um, competitions are regarded as highly as, you know, certain essential businesses. Because at the end of the day, they are part of the economy in some ways or another. But yeah, no, I completely understand. Like, I yeah. completely agree. There's, I don't think there's anything similar going on here in the EU. EU. No, I, I could be wrong. Sure. I could be highly wrong. But They're still doing, like, soccer matches, but, you know, no crowds in the stadiums, stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure there were crowds right there. It's just mm. like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big the big difference is that for um, sport matches here, there would be pro football matches, which means that people get paid. I mm-hmm. highly doubt that that was a pro. No, no, it was it was gymnastics. like UC, it was UCLA, so it was for sure college. exactly, which means that she isn't getting paid. <laughs> she isn't getting paid, but the university sure as hell will get paid yeah. somehow. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's why it was open. We were talking before about the idea of how masculinity is ingrained into sports in some way. Yeah. And um, I'm going to open a parenthesis to delve deeper into this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go. Because this is just how my notes are organized, which means that they're not organized at all. <laughs> but, you know, um, 
some food for thought. Um, mm -hmm. Sports is definitely a form to perform hypermasculinity in. And yeah. it's one that is considered like uh, a safe sport, a safe forum for hypermasculinity today. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a coincidence that the most famous or the most watched sports are very physical and confrontational. Mm -hmm. very physical and confrontational like football like american football like yeah. basketball rugby rugby exactly i think the only one that comes to mind that might be very big and very watched but non-confrontational is tennis anything with men has potential for violence <laughs> and you know it's also not a coincidence that i think most sports fans are men yeah yeah, listen, listen, I've been to the stadium with my father and he turns into a different person. Like, I'm not oh. even kidding. I feel like, like, when men get into stadiums, they, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, I completely agree. That's what I'm saying. It's a safe forum to perform yeah. this, like, hyper-masculine person that they know they can't be outside. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. They're like, it's fine if I beat up the opponent on the, on the, you know um football yeah. field because it's understood that the like rules of genteel society i am air quoting yeah. this are suspended for the duration of the game i can Absolutely. like i can become something and someone else and this is where i channel all of my repressed emotions because we still yeah. don't know how to channel and pro like process emotions for young yeah. men boys. like men men will not go to therapy Men will not go to therapy, but, but they, they will, will kick a ball. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, that's where we're at as a society right now. <laughs> Why go to therapy when I can kick a ball? Why go to therapy when I can just like cuss out the opponents, the opponents? And players and just like eat my stupid hot dog, chewing, you know, shouting, and spitting? Truly, that's free. Yeah. Therapy is not th free. I mean, no, I'm sorry. Not even stadiums are not free. Some of those tickets. Well, no, prices. of course it depends. Sometimes you, you pay a lot, but if you go yeah. and, you know, play football on a Sunday at your local church football field, that's pretty free. No, oh, yeah. But you really do feel out of place. I guess if you're not, if you're not comfortable in those spaces, if you're yeah. there in a stadium, I, 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 me, I guess, but also like, I can't imagine if like anyone else who just isn't, I guess, hyper masculine that way or, would be and just you do feel like it's generally somewhere you shouldn't be it's just very jarring it truly is yeah yeah definitely and it's also understood i think that you cannot be this hyper masculine self when it comes to female sports yeah. and i think that's also a comp like a component of the very complex reasons why female football or like sorry female sports aren't as watched Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're not they don't have nowhere near the same following no, um no. and even then it's a very sexualized form of following oh absolutely all those kind of sexual um mis allegations against you know the gymnastics coaches and all those things have you seen yeah and America, also like, yeah. how many memes have i seen of like oh the female football team are playing um i hope they have like tight shorts or something like this yeah male sports aren't as sexualized i'm sure there's yeah. like i i'm sure there's like a sexual charge that they don't realize between you know like it's very homoerotic honestly exactly like, I, I, it's been it's the same kind of mechanism interestingly in america with like fraternity and frat houses oh. the initiation processes which are like oh, get yourself naked in front of your frat boys. You know what I mean? It's like very, like kind of, it's interesting because it's like to show that you're masculine, you have to go some sort of humiliation that entails homoerotic practices, either because it's repressed or because it's like fun to just pick on um, homosexuality as like something to, you know, to reject some Impulses. part of you. Yeah, yeah that, that, that you recognize exactly exactly yeah 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 because i'm sorry is there anything more gay than watching 22 sweaty men chasing after a ball on a field is there any like think about what about football They're, they huff and puff and bang against each other like come on like all of these things have such a layer of this is not just me projecting by the way but truly if you think about it it's it's interesting how so often hyper masculinity and 
homosexuality almost go hand in hand. We'll have to make this another episode, I guess. There's also, there was a, a really interesting part of the Distorted History podcast on the history of football that I listened to in preparation for this episode um, mm. that essentially said that um, in football and maybe in other sports also, there's um, the usage of war and conflict metaphors within like football terms so there's also like you know you always say like we have to destroy them like the enemy and the opponents you have to destroy them you have to take them out um Mm -hmm. you organize football teams in formations which is like uh in military uh, contexts uh you know there's a lot to unpack here like how essentially like we've taken our Con- like needs for confrontation and physical confrontation and we're like well i can't just have a duel with you like we did in the 1800s but, let's have a really violent football game but that's so interesting because tied to america what i was saying before like it wasn't just a joke that was like oh, the super bowl is like the military industrial complex but it's true like through these kind of framing and representation of sports it reflects the nation's character and i guess place in the global order because who spends a trillion dollars in the military budget america does who continuously kind of engages in wars and you know um, interventions america does with their military and it's it's so interesting to see how that is reflected like as you have said yeah through through some almost like brainwash society through like a different medium but still instill the values of like offense and violence and kind of like dominance through assertiveness you know it's completely and i think it's also it, i also think that's very interesting because nowadays fighting doesn't take place like it's not hand-to-hand combat yeah. it's more stealth it's and strategies it's yeah. like who wins well the person or the country that has the best technologies uh the most mm-hmm. mm, precise uh, sharpshooters or the most drones or the most atomic bombs like it's not about who has the best physical endurance anymore yeah which is a part of combat that we've lost because it Mm -hmm. used to be well who is the better as swordsman yeah well maybe the one who's strongest i don't know it's about physical Mm -hmm. supremacy which it isn't anymore because mm-hmm. literally like you just need to push a button and you'll have yeah. a, a drone attack somewhere across the globe. Within the wider context of hypermasculinity, I think that this idea of um, physical supremacy has been mm-hmm. injected into sports because it cannot be injected into conflict, like armed conflict anymore. Yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. And it's, I guess it's also a way for um america to show that they have the strongest they don't only have the biggest technologies they have the strongest players physically as well i guess that the american prototype is the most uh, developed yeah because at the end of the day what are what are comp- like sports competitions are to crown the yeah. best boy <laughs> yeah yeah the fastest or the strongest boy of them all yeah. it's Absolutely. not to like celebrate the sport <laughs> yeah no that's true that's true you don't get a cup if you just want to like you know no one is like at the tv exactly like 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 daydreaming about how beautiful football is Uh, and you know a thing that we haven't really talked about um touched upon yet that connects to sport is just how much people love it like yeah yeah the people who watch and true fans are generally like a hundred percent in on these sports and i think there's a specific type of nostalgia that uh, makes college sport fans so attached to college sports Mm. because it's not about watching pros anymore it's not about watching someone that is very very far removed from yourself and from your reality it's about Mm. watching a guy um, like a 20 year old that could be your nephew or that could have been you or uh, years that could ago. Have been you exactly. Yeah, like yeah. there's this thing that there's this emotional component of college sports that people just really love them. And yeah, and also there is something. Favorite. Yeah, there is something also very beautiful about like a promise young person. You know, yeah. like some 
like they have the whole lives ahead of them, I guess, to do. Yeah, world is your oyster. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And exactly. like, I re- look, I'm not a sports fan, but. Should we get into college sports <laughs> for like motivation? <laughs> but I think the sense of um, belonging that you get from A, mm-hmm. being in a sports team and B, being a fan of that sports team and being a part of a certain college within that sports team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's is is genuinely underappreciated. Yeah, yeah. It's it not all that. No, absolutely. And you know, it, it becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of how you make friends. It becomes part of how you establish other relationships that mm-hmm. is just like very important at a very does- level. Exactly. And it does teach you certain values, you know, collaboration, teamwork, like hard Hard work, persistence, consistency, kind of like determination. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about like the macro, like structures that kind of like allows sport to be this important things in our society, but a very, at a lower, like micro Mm -hmm. person to person level, like sports can be great. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Not to me, but for the greater good, of course. (laughs) (laughs) The Olympics? I mean, I missed the Olympics this year. I really did. Yeah. And like, okay, this is a really stupid and dumb example, but like, how do you remember when Italy won the World Cup, the Football World Cup? I I remember exactly where it was. I was six years old, but I remember. I was seven because it was 2006. And I remember being so happy about it and knowing that everyone around me was so happy and like like we were like so united and you know what was funny like i was in sicily and it's like it's the first time in sicily i saw the like the italian flag being waved <laughs> like oh, it's shit. something it's something like transcended kind of regional divides like yeah. everyone in that moment was literally just united which is insane yeah. but it shows you how powerful it is truly absolutely so powerful and you know yeah. this connects like let me just connect back to um the the idea of the military you know this is a really big thing for um, countries that need to build their nationalism mm. what do you do you try and win a sports cup with your national team there is no mm. other way to build rapid consensus for your country than that Either than probably, yeah, yeah. And, or maybe winning a war but we don't really do that anymore <laughs> i mean eh, yeah arguably but true we don't do that anymore <laughs> within europe like the ward isn't in exactly europe we just screw up other countries we exported yeah exactly exactly but yeah no absolutely okay so now it's time to say why you were right and why it why sport why colleges being obsessed with sports is because of profit and prestige. Can you give me a grade, like out of 10 or eight? Oh no, this is the American way, like A plus, A minus, B, C, D, you know? I think it's it's a good, <laughs> like, I would give you a, an A minus. Okay, okay, I can take that. A minus, B plus, somewhere there. Okay, that's kind of harsh, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I was I was good. I'm trying to I'm using the American grading system, but I am not an American teacher. So fair, fair, fair. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, this is definitely. But college sports are also definitely a big part of marketing and prestige building. Mm-hmm. So studies show that having a good sports division is very important to attract students to your universities, even if these students don't play sports or are only mm-hmm. marginally. Um, involved Mm -hmm. this is a recruiting tactic your team being the best team at a certain sport is Mm -hmm. a recruiting tactic Mm -hmm. Um, so you know it's it's an integral means of recruitment and it pushes the idea that physical excellence is connected to intellectual excellence which is something that comes from i think as you said before, ancient Greek and Roman classics. Yeah, uh, mensana corpore sano, or whatever it is. Exactly. I, yeah. I literally wrote in my notes, hey! mensana in corpore sano. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I think it's a wrong Latin pronunciation, but whoops. It's fine. We, did not, we weren't taught Latin, by the way, guys. So. No, we really wasn't. We weren't. Yeah, we're, just, just... we're just in tune with our roots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just this idea that physical exertion is a key part of your intellectual and psychological well-being. Yeah. And it's not something that I would necessarily like go against. Like I'm not, I think that is true for a, a good part of it. But I think in this case, it's just been applied to a university industrial context <laughs> of yeah. trying to recruit new people and trying to get their tuition fees as well. Yeah, I think a healthy mind does belong to a healthy body, but also you know, a healthy body yeah. doesn't necessarily entail you yeah. being part of a competitive basketball team in a university, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And it's an easy way to prove I'm the best university without yeah, yeah. being a complex like oh what are my student ratings what are my yeah. research uh, how is the quality of my research um how do we treat our staff yeah. that's more complicated and that takes more time and indices to get across to the prospective students whereas look we won <laughs> That's a lot easier. It's an, it's an easy, easy, easy way of saying, look, I am the best. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, which is also connected to prestige in some kind of way, is just money. Um, so, you know, yeah. uh, most schools actually do lose money on sports because the costs of fielding teams um, are very high. Uh, however very importantly, uh, they get media coverage because if you compete mm. in um, college sport competitions, most of them or the very top levels will be televised. And so uh, the media coverage provides exposure for free that they otherwise would have had to pay like thousands of thousands of dollars. So essentially yeah. sometimes having a very good basketball team or a very good baseball team is an investment for the university, mm -hmm. even though the mm -hmm. precise team might be losing them money. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. Future investment, future exactly. gains, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Because again, winning team attracts students, but also yeah. if you, if you know that, Oh, the, um, UCLA Dolphins are competing today like yeah. you're thinking of the UCLA and so that gets UCLA in your mind as a student it provides yeah. free even, media coverage yeah even if like yeah exactly even if you don't win if you've just like mentioned or get far regardless it's, yeah it can do it can do wonders for your reputation yeah exactly and you know the biggest schools in the major team sports so we're talking about the, the elite of the elite <laughs> um mm -hmm. they do make millions of dollars from television contracts so yeah very so not all schools make money out of having top sports teams but those who do win make bank yes yeah yeah and also just like you know at the highest levels it's a very big affair think of it media you have stadiums yeah. most universities have stadiums like big I know, it's insane. It's, it's insane. insane. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. insane. Um, the yeah. tickets, the sale of tickets, they have marching bands and cheerleaders, which is probably not professional. They're probably also from the college, but that's also more yeah. people working for free in this complex and in this industry. You have the lights, yeah. the costumes, the food, the parking. Uh, like this is a big, big industry. Yeah, it's like unpaid labor for the athletes, essentially. Yeah. Well, no, Absolutely. not if they're, I guess, part of their education. But like, again, it's still something that takes a lot of your time. And you are, you like, I'm sure that the, the money they're generating for school is a lot higher than what they get in under scholarships or whatever. You know, it's... There's no way to say, obviously, this is just me speculating, but, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that either because I don't know if there's anyone who actually, like, worked that out. But you are correct, like they are providing free labor and they are paid in kind with an education. But yeah. as you said in the beginning, you shouldn't pay for an education in the first place. Yeah. So they are quite literally just being exploited for their free yeah. labor. And you know, this yeah. is something that is a very on topic because recently um, a few ex-college um, athletes sued 
I think it was the oh. um, NCAA, so the the big association that regulates mm -hmm. student athletes, um, to be compensated for not for actually playing sports, but for their image and likeness. So, as we said, um, there are big college competitions for basketball and football, and this generates sales for like jerseys. So you'll you'll ha you'll see jerseys with your name on the back and with your name and number being oh. sold. And until I think 2020 or 2019, you could not be compensated for this. You would not receive a single penny out of this. That is insane. Yeah, and they had a um, they had a um, and so a bunch of um, of student athletes sued. And they won. Yeah. So from this oh, year God. or last year, I am not completely sure, they can receive um, payment for their image, use of their name or image or likeness. But they still will not. I mean, they can. Like, they have to, requ they have to request think, it? Or? I'm not entirely sure. I think, like, um, okay. it has to be in the contract. So every athlete signs a contract. Yeah. Um, I guess it's up to the single universities. I am not entirely sure. Not entirely yeah. sure. But they still don't receive a wage. Yeah. Because then it would be a job, which they can't. Exactly. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if, if it becomes a job, you have to give them private health care. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes your problem. Workman's comp. Like if, because, you know, again, like this is something that is bigger than just college yeah. sports. But um, say, if they get, if, yeah, sorry. Yeah, say you get injured like long term. Yeah. You lose your scholarship, which means that you don't get to graduate college. Wait, you're kidding. If no. they get. Uh, Absolutely. Because the terms of the contract are you get to play only if you study. But if you don't play, you can't study, which means you can't play. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my God. So if you get injured, which, by the way, is likely because you are playing sports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will not be able to get a college education, which means that essentially, like, not to be very harsh but like you've thrown away a ton of effort and money and time of your life yeah no you and haven't. you don't even get i guess health care no because exactly if they employ them then they have to give them rights and that yeah. would be too costly <laughs> too much too much for america too much uh, i mean listen we will have an episode on health care we have to we have to yeah we have to, we have to. yeah and again, it's, it's you know, we, we haven't really delved into the racism that goes on in the system, I think, because yeah. that requires a lot of preparation. But, yeah. like, you know, very simply put, um, I checked some stats. And so the student athletes, they're divided into Division 1, 2, and 3. And Division 1 is the best division you can play in. And, for example... Um, in 2019, 56%, so more than half, of Division One basketball players were black men. Mm -hmm. And for football, black men were 49%. Okay, still. And this is, this is interesting for a variety of reasons, but I think the most important one is that black coaches are not even 7%. Mm. They are so severely underrepresented. Mm -hmm. And coaches are the ones that get paid millions. College coaches. Oh, yes. Because colleges make so much. So top college coaches, like the very top ones, get paid five, six, three, four, five, six, seven million per year. God. Plus sponsorships because they can mm. get sponsored by, I don't know, Adidas or whatever. Yeah. And they get contracts for merchandise because they could already monetize their name. Okay. Yeah. Um, because they make so much money for the actual college. Meanwhile, the actual players who go on the field 
they don't yeah. get paid anything. Yeah, a pat on the back. Yeah, and for this for this specific, you know, if you want to know more about this, I would recommend watching the um, John Oliver last week tonight episode they did on the NCAA. Yeah. So, you know, to sum it up, why, why do college, colleges um, love college sports so much? And, well, the reasons are a lot. You could say history, money, and prestige. <laughs> Pretty much. And sociology. I guess, yeah, philosophy. <laughs> everything is everything. But, yeah, those main reasons. Yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. God. We just unearthed the Pandora's box of just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, as with everything, there's nuance everywhere. Yeah, you know? Of course, of course. Start talking about something as uncomplicated as college sports and you realize that there's yeah. no such thing as uncomplicated. There's nuance everywhere. And we did leave out a lot of the nuance. Like, we didn't properly investigate a lot of... Like, I didn't properly investigate a lot of stuff that I came across just because you you would need a book you would need a book yeah. series to, to well, people all. literally like do write books on this stuff I they do like, i mean yeah. i talked firsthand with professor jens and he has written mm. more than one book precisely on this topic of american sports and american collegiate sports uh, he makes a living off of this he teaches this at university so like we cannot obviously yeah give a good account of this in like an hour or an hour and a half i was just i would just want to thank dr gems for being so kind to actually answer it you know i thought it was so nice that was so nice i wasn't totally expecting for him to get back at me but he was and he was very cute he was i hope he like i hope he listens to this episode and likes it too i hope you do professor gems if you're listening thank you to you honestly thank you yeah (laughs) so you know just to have our closing remarks um we just wanted to provide you with a good base with which you could understand um this very complex phenomena that we as non-americans aren't immersed in and we do absolutely encourage everyone to do some further reading um we're sorry about the absolutely chaotic structure of this first episode but again we're learning as we're going this is a learning curve um, we hoped you enjoyed this. Do you have and anything to say? Yeah, I wanted to say. Yeah, no, I mean, I wanted to. A special thanks also to Valentina, who did a lot of research for this episode. You know, I just came out well, on here. <laughs> yeah, I was just like piggybacking off your hard work, basically. But no, I hope um, the, <laughs> I hope the episode was entertaining or interesting. Any, any, both combinations. And um, yeah, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully you'll hear us for the next one. Yeah, I mean, next next time is uh, your turn to do all the hard work, and I'm gonna pay back will, I will. you. So, I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. If you've made it this far, yeah, and which I you hope- should be, you should have, because otherwise, like, you can't just listen to half of it and leave. True. It's it's too interesting <laughs> to just go halfway. Exactly. But yeah. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.